Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at how to manage financing risk for your multifamily investments. My guest in this episode is James Ng. James has originated almost $1 billion in multifamily loans nationwide as a senior director of Old Capital. Prior to Old Capital, he was a senior underwriter for GE Capital Real Estate Underwriter. Uh, over $750 million in commercial real estate loans. He also is a real estate investor with a portfolio consisting of multifamily investments. If you've not checked out my new podcast, Cashflow Investing Secrets, I would highly recommend it. It's a shorter show, 10 minutes or less, where I share one concept and or idea at a time, what I've learned from interviewing over 500 Cashflow Ninjas. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast, video, and live streaming platform. We also have an investment group and community for accredited investors. If you're interested to join the group, please visit CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. That's CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. And you can also stay up to date with everything that's going on in our community by joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in Cashflow Ninja Community and you'll find the show. My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. James, welcome to the show. Hey, MC. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to connect. And thank you so much for, for joining us on the on the show. Um, can you share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Yeah. So um, I was born, in, born and raised in Houston, Texas, went to school in Austin. And now I've lived in Dallas now for the last 13, 14 years. And, you know, really, I, I started like everybody else. I went to go work for G Capital straight out of school, worked there for 10 years and sort of went through their finance leadership program and then moved over to their commercial real estate side, which I was actually very lucky to get into and uh, spent 10 years there. Um, The last eight years was really as a loan underwriter. And so I spent a bunch of time underwriting deals, reviewing borrowers, properties, financials across all commercial property types. And then um, in 2015, they came in and said, uh, we're selling our entire portfolio to Blackstone. So thank you guys for all your service, but uh, you're going to need to find a new gig here in the next couple of months. And so that was at the beginning of 2015. And I had been looking at investing in apartments um, starting around that time frame as well. And so I came over to Old Capital 
and became a mortgage broker and helped invest investors really find financing for their properties. And uh, since then have also invested um, in about 25 properties on the multifamily side since then. So that's uh, a little bit of my background. Awesome. What was that aha moment? Because I know you and I pre-interview, uh, what do they call it? The green room? Yeah. We're, we're just hanging out in the green room and chatting. But anyway, before this interview started, you talked a little bit about a book that changed your paradigm and how you see things. Um, we had a profound impact uh, on you. Yeah. In, you know, probably in 2000, I'd say probably 2011, 2012, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That sort of started the journey, but I didn't really do anything about it. And then, um, you know, Andy Tanner has a book called 401 Chaos, and it talks about how, you know, you put money into a 401k and you hope and you hope and you hope 30 years later that there's money at the end of the sort of pot of gold here um, or a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I needed um, cash flow and not necessarily a big pile of money. And so that book really sort of hit me in the forehead and said, I really need to start investing into cash flow investments or investments that cash flow. And, uh, you know, after I read that book, I really started looking at syndication as a way of investing in multifamily properties um, throughout Texas. Very, very interesting. And where did, so you were, you were interested in multifamily and you start, you started investing as a limited partner in some of them, right? Yeah. I mean, I really just started um, interviewing general partners here in Dallas. And the first one being someone who had um, worked at GE with me and had left GE probably in 2009, 2010. And he had started buying multifamily properties sort of through the recession. So 10, 11, 12. And I, you know, I had lunch with him and just sort of talked to him about how he was doing it, structure and getting comfortable with that. Because a lot of these syndications, they're saying, all right, I need you to write a $50,000, $100,000 check and you can't sell it. And if you need the money, you probably won't be able to get it. And I promise you that I will own this property, manage this property and give you cash flow throughout the process. And so that first check is hard uh, to write. And so, you know, you have to get comfortable with the general partner. You have to get comfortable with the property. And um, every check after that gets a little bit easier though. This brings up a lot of different questions. So there are, there are I know, because I got, get the emails and I hear from folks, so many people that might find themselves in a similar situation on their journey where they're starting out. They want to get in, into real estate. They're staying in their unique ability. Um, so maybe they, they have a high paying job, right? Or they're trying to work towards financial freedom. So they're doing whatever they need to do to generate cash, whether it's you know in their job, whether it's in their business. Um, and eventually, they're going to look to partner with cash flow ninjas that are in their unique ability, right. operators and general partners that have these deals because that's what they do. Um, so, where did where would you recommend folks start by looking at operators? And also, how do you evaluate an operator? How did you evaluate operators? Right? How did you find out who were the right people and the folks for you as an investor to get involved with? So I, I, I got lucky a little bit in that um, when I was at GE, we underwrote all types of property types. So we did hotels, we did self-storage, we did retail, apartments, office buildings. And so I had to learn how to underwrite all those different various asset types um, yeah. in seven, 2007, 2008, 2009. And then 
I got to see sort of through the recession, which one of those property types um, made it through. Yeah. Uh, so as, a, as an asset manager, we would come back and we gave bridge loans at GE. And so you had three years to sort of execute your business plan. And if you didn't, uh, we took your property back. And so I had to foreclose on a lot of office buildings, a lot of retail strip centers, even some industrial properties, um, because there was not a diversified income stream. And what I liked about multifamily and what I like about self-storage and mobile home parks is that if one tenant leaves, that's fine. Um, you know, your debt service payment to the lender is not going to be dependent just on that one tenant. And okay. so I like the diversified income stream um, that I saw in multifamily, self-storage, uh, mobile home parks. And in the multifamily space, uh, I just found a lot more syndication opportunities um, than I did in self-storage and mobile home parks. And so that's, that's sort of where I have focused my investments is in uh, multifamily properties here in Texas. So did you, um, and, and also now when you're doing your research and other stuff, do you, is there certain things that you need to have in place, like a checklist, the framework, like this is what a good deal looks like. This is what I, I, I'm looking for when I'm analyzing deals. So when I first started, it was really a, a cash flow game in terms of I wanted to have enough cash flow to sort of cover my basic sort of expenses. And so yep. I really looked at deals that were probably hitting that sort of eight, nine, 10% cash on cash uh, when I first started. And now it's probably six, seven, 8% cash on cash and sort of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, getting, you know, maybe that first year you're at five or 6% and then moving up to seven or 8% as you improve the property and the cash flow that, uh, you know, in the property that you buy. But then, uh, you know, as I've gotten sort of the cash flow portion of my expenses taken care of, now I've actually um, started looking at more sort of heavier value add deals where I think, you know, instead of maybe a 1.5 to 1.7 equity multiple over three to five years, we're going to try to get like a 2x multiple in three years. And so it's a little bit more aggressive um, and I have a little bit more capital at risk in terms of you're not getting a monthly check, but uh, you see a little bit more upside in the deal. And so I've, I've done a couple of those now that the, the cash flow portion of my expenses is covered. Yeah, let's talk about that because that brings in not just the real estate strategy, but an overall wealth strategy, right? So, and I get this question actually quite uh, a lot. MC, there's different deal structures. Some deals are more cash flow upfront, you know, higher preps, but then lower, you know, obviously there's less upside on the back end. Some deals are, there's uh, less initial cash flow, right? right? But there's a lot of potential upside uh, in the plan. So in your strategy, you had alluded to the first thing is you played it like the cash flow game, the board right. game, right? Absolutely. Where you're trying to get out of the rat, uh, rat race by having enough passive income covering your, your living expenses. So you, by just by that comment, I'm assuming that you were looking at deals that have more cash flow upfront to be able to get there. And then you kind of looked at different deal structures after that. Talk to a little bit about how you put that all together. Yeah. I mean, um, majority of my initial investments were where the operator was taking maybe like a 15 or 20% um, equity stake in the deal. 
and they were splitting. If a dollar came in, they got 80 cents or limited partners got 80 cents and the, and the general partner got 20 cents. And so they, they, they looked for deals that provided sort of a current cash flow. Yeah. And so whether that was six to 8%. And so that's how majority of my investments were at the beginning. And then sort of once I got probably, you know, 15 to 20 of those investments, um, those I felt very good about because I got a monthly ACH distribution and, uh, you know, it just sort of started at maybe five or 6%, got up to seven or 8% um, in a couple of years. And some of those properties now are selling right now. Um, so now, now I'm having to make the decision, all right, do I keep putting money into those types of deals or do I take a deal where it's a little bit uh, more risk in that you're not getting that current cash flow, um, but you're getting a bigger equity multiple? And so I, what I've done is there's operators that just are more focused on heavy value add deals where, let's say a multifamily, a, a typical person um, who you'll say the property is running pretty well, the, the rents are pretty much at market, but they're going to come in and put maybe 3,000, 4,000 a unit into the property. That is going to be a very different operator than somebody who's going to come in and say, all right, I'm putting 10 to 15,000 a unit into these deals. And then I'm going to bump rents from $900 to $1,200 a month. Like that is yeah. a big, heavy lift. And so that first year, um, you're not going to get any cash flow, right? Because they're putting all the money into the property and, uh, you know, not until year two, year three, are you going to really see any cash flow, but they're probably going to try to refinance or sell that asset in year two or three and, and really return a lot of the capital to the investors. And so, um, when I was first starting, I didn't have the stomach to do those deals. And so now that, I have sort of the base level of cash flow. Now I'm comfortable putting a little bit of money into those heavy value ideals. Yeah. And it's, uh, so there's, there's a lot of good points that you make there. So where you start on your journey, you know, number one, you're obviously what you're comfortable with. We always talk about, you know, you're taking a, a different leap. You're doing something different, what other folks are not doing. Right. So you can start by doing things that you're comfortable with, starting with a deal that generates cash flow, just to get that whole mental breakthrough of actually getting an ACH deposit into your bank account every right. single month, right? Because that's when the light switch goes goes off, right? It did for me. My first yeah, rental property, sure. like, you know, almost 20 years ago, is like the first time when all the expenses was paid and there was a little bit of money left afterwards. I was like, how many times can I do this? Right. As many as you can. Right. And yeah. how quick and how quickly can I do this? That might be the same thing when you're investing in a deal with cash flow that has immediate cash flow that you have the same mental breakthrough that you're like, this is amazing. How many times can I do this? Of course, it's not just all rainbow and unicorns. There's going to be deals that are not going to fly, you know, do as delivered or I mean this is just part of business and life in general right it's not rainbow and unicorns it is a right. business that's real estate so stuff breaks people don't pay rent you know tenants mess up apartments all of the above <laughs> so but in general that's a good like thing psychologically yeah and I mean I think um, you know we try to mitigate all the risk as we can uh, in these deals yeah. and so a lot of times I want to see that the operator has done this before. I haven't really invested in a deal where it's a first time operator. Most of the operators, it's been, you know, their third, fourth, fifth deal. So they have a track record of doing this. 
And then, um, you know, I drive almost every property that I invest in. Um, I think there's been a couple that I haven't, but the, the operators um, are probably number one in terms of trying to figure out, do I trust this person and do I, do I want to send them a wire for $100,000? You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. MC Lobsheer, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for higher yield returns from ATM machines and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Estate Investor offers, such as their ATM and self storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. You're listening to The Cashflow Ninja, the show helping people all over the world create monthly cash flow and achieve freedom today, not in 10, 20, 30, and or 40 years. This is the show where cash is not king, but cash flow is king. Now let's return to our interview. Which is a pretty, pretty uh, important part, right? To make right. sure that the, the, that the person is trustworthy. But yeah, uh, people with a great track record, do your due diligence. I mean, uh, within networks, uh, talk to a lot of them too. Um, go to meetups, meet these people, do your, do your due diligence on, on this. Um, and maybe you can add a little bit more to that because when it comes to due diligence, especially on the financing side, which we'll touch to, you've got to be on top of your game, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it's, it's actually really helpful. And I think general partners should provide, um, um, you know, limited partner referrals to some extent. And so I talked to a bunch of limited partners, people who have been in deals with these general partners before I invested in deals. And mm. so I think that's, that's always good. And then, um, you know, from, from the lender side, uh, it definitely is, I see a lot of property due diligence. And so understanding, um, you know, what these people are getting into. And, you know, my, my sort of unfair advantage is that I probably get, you know, 10, 15 uh, deals sent to me a day um, in terms of either financing or investing in equity. So like the map behind me, if it's hard to see on the audio, but is, is all the submarkets in DFW highlighted. And I've probably have financed or invested in every submarket in DFW um, here. And so just, it gives you an unfair advantage. And I think people need that a little bit in that yeah. uh, you got to find a niche that you have some sort of information advantage or, you know, connection with somebody to, to improve your, your returns to some extent. Right. Because, 
you know, if you, if you don't, if you don't know the general partner, if you don't know the market, then you're not going to get, you're not going to get access to these, to these investments. Yeah. Uh, that's the mo- been the most important thing for me too, is the people, you know, yeah. there's some folks, I don't, I know who they are. I know their values. I know how they do the business. I know their track record. I know what they've done when things didn't go their way. So there are some folks that I know, and I can, I have a handful in the back of my mind that I'll write a check. I, I mean, obviously I'm going to look at the deal, but it's almost like I don't have to see the full picture because I know who's taking my money. Right. I know Absolutely. what they're going to do with it and what it means for them to take care of it and provide a return uh, for their investors and take care of their investors. Yeah. And I mean, I think one other thing uh, you touched on a little bit on financing and, yeah. you know, on, on whether it's multifamily or any commercial real estate type, there are so many different financing structures, but you as a, as investor need to sort of understand the risk on these deals because a, a lot of single family, um, you know, loans that uh, people get, let's say for their house or their second house, or maybe a rental house. A lot of these deals are, a lot of these loans are 15 year fully amortizing or 30 year fully amortizing. But on the commercial side, you're going to be looking at five, seven, 10 year loans uh, with a balloon. And so people have to understand that if that balloon comes up, and the market's down or rents are down, occupancy's down on your property, and you cannot refinance that loan, the bank will take it and your equity is gone. And I think, uh, you know, that the past, I would say, 10 years, let's call it, uh, nobody has sort of had to face that. Um, but, you know, if there is a recession uh, in the next couple of years, people need to either have loans that are a little bit longer term and, uh you know, be prepared to sort of, instead of the three to five year typical hold, you might be holding these properties for five, seven, 10 years. And does your debt um, extend out that long so that uh, you don't have to either have a capital call with your investors or, um, you know, I hate to say if, if people, you know, lose a property to a bank because uh, that, you know, essentially all the equity will be gone at that point. Let's uh, deep dive into this because this is also where uh, this and this is an area of your expertise, the financing of it, right? So you've mentioned one thing, the the how financing is structured because it's not just a deal, right? It's how it's being financed, right? Yeah. Which is which is very very important. And you mentioned the the risk of the balloon coming up on the right. shorter financing. Uh, just share a little bit more of, uh, with my listeners what it's like because the bank is actually the point. bank is the, the the person that's putting up the financing is very very interested right to know how this property is performing and this isn't like a single family where you get a mortgage from someone and you never ever hear from them again right. the bank's rent. very involved yeah absolutely you just pay the rent and then they don't care because they just get their money right this is a completely different ball game because the value of that property is tied to the operational performance of it. So these guys are all over you. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that process because I don't think a lot of people understand the difference between single family and multifamily and how the bank is really all over you to make sure that you're, you're performing. Yeah, I mean, at a very basic level, um, the value of a commercial property is you know, your net operating income divided by cap rate. And the bank is going to heavily scrutinize that net operating income. So everything that goes into that, the rents, the other income, all your expenses, they're going to underwrite those and come up with a number 
and essentially say, all right, here, let's say you're buying a $10 million property. Here is a seven and a half, you know, seven and a half, eight million dollar loan for you. And um, where it comes in to the investor's mind is a lot of times you can take more leverage. A bank is willing to give you more leverage on a deal and you raise less equity. And if everything goes right, you will have a higher return, right? Because rates right now, let's say, are 4 to 5%. Yep. And so if you're able to borrow more money, and let's say you're at 80% leverage or 85% leverage, and you only have to raise a small portion of the equity, then you can do very well as a syndicator. But uh, you know, the thing you have to take into consideration is if you take on too much leverage at the wrong point in the cycle, that could come back and bite you. And so in multifamily, I would say there's really two main types of loans. One is sort of a non-recourse agency loan, which is going to be like Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Those are going to be five, seven, 10-year loans. And um, these are going to be for stabilized properties. So like the properties I was talking about before that are cash flowing day one, you're not having to do a ton of rehab. Those are the types of loans that people are putting on these apartments. Is um, It's longer term loans. And if there is a downturn, then you have the option to just sort of write it out, right? Because your maturity is not coming up for you know, another five years or seven years. Um, the downside to these loans is that they have a heavier prepayment penalty. So when you go to sell, the asset or refinance the asset, you have a higher prepayment penalty. On the other side is what we call bridge loans. And those are really, um, those typically go for about anywhere from one to three years, um, sometimes up to five years, but mostly one to three years. And then you have a balloon at the end of the three years. And so if you um, are gonna take on a bridge loan, number one, uh, you better make sure you have your business plan in place uh, you have your capital and you have investors that are willing to sort of um, ride out any sort of uh, cycle uh, with you because if, uh, you know, let's say it hits year two or year three and you cannot refinance that loan, you're going to either have to pay down the existing loan with investor money or go refinance, refinance the deal or you have a chance of being foreclosed on. And so... Um, bridge loans are going to be a little bit more higher risk, but you're typically out of the bridge loan with a 1% prepayment penalty, um, which is significantly lower than Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Gotcha. Gotcha. So they're, and, and the, the, how frequently do they check also the numbers and do they get rent rolls and performance and that kind of stuff from operators? Yeah. So, um, typically it's quarterly. Um, yeah. And then Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they're really looking at your, your debt service coverage. And so your NOI divided by your interest payment or your principal and interest payment. And that needs to be, so your NOI needs to be about 25% higher than your debt service payment. They want that to be sort of a standard, um, across, uh, you know, years, but then on your bridge loan, those, those they're going to be looking quarterly, but they're going to also be running tests. And so they might have uh, a debt yield or debt service coverage test, maybe quarterly as well. And so if they start seeing that your NOI is going the wrong way, they, they might uh, start enacting some of their restrictions on you and putting a little bit more pressure on you um, to make sure you write the ship very quickly. 
Um, yeah, that that was my next question. Is so, what does a letter look like? What does an email to someone look like? Like, what what are what are the ramifications? Hey, your ratios are off. Yeah, you know, eyes going the other direction. Here's what you need to get done, and here's the time frame you need to get done. Otherwise, this happens. What does that look like? So there's a couple things that lenders can do. One is they can start sweeping the cash flow to them to start paying down the loan. And so you as a general partner get, you know, you pay your expenses and then all the excess cash flow is not going to your investors. It is going to the bank and the bank is holding that money until you can write the ship and get the property going. Um, another thing is they might have you pay down the loans. Let's say you get to the end of the three years and uh, they originally gave you an 80% loan, but now the value of your property has gone down. And they say, look, we want you to write uh, this loan to 75% now, then you're going to have to come up with money to pay down the loan. And so, you know, in, I would say in bridge loan situations, your working capital that you have for rehab and your working capital to mitigate some of these um, risks becomes more and more important. Um, than if you have a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan on a property. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, just some big takeaways here is that you have to be aware of the financing side of deals because and how it works and also the responsibility because, again, it's not just rainbows and unicorns. We're going to give it to you straight up on this show without any chasers. <laughs> yeah, and, and how I mean, it works. Yeah, I think I think yeah, some of my first investments, I I was okay with yeah. a little bit lower return um, for the safety of having a longer term loan. And uh, I think when you're first starting out, even if you're if you're the general partner on the deal, and you take a let's say a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac sort of longer term loan, I you know your return is not going to be as high, right? Yeah. But uh, there's going to be a return and it's going to be positive. And sometimes, you know, you need to do a couple of those loans before you start jumping into um, higher risk loans like a bridge loan. Gotcha. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in uh, different markets in the country, the market that you're operating in. Can you share a little bit with folks what's going on in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, market and te- I mean Texas is obviously there's a lot of stuff going on there. I don't know if you want to speak generally and then uh, make some comments just on on Dallas Fort Worth. Yeah, I, I would say Texas. Um, their the biggest benefit is really employers are moving here, which is driving population growth, which is driving demand for apartments and all types of commercial real estate. And um, I would say each little metro. There's four major metros in Texas. Um, you know, we can start in Dallas and work our way down to Austin, San Antonio, and then Houston. But the the unique thing about Dallas is uh, Dallas Fort Worth. There's probably eight nine million people here, and you know, a lot of people feel like it's going to be the next sort of Los Angeles in terms of size. It just keeps growing based on the number of employers and number of people moving from California and the East Coast here. Um, so Dallas has a little bit more of a diversified economy, I would say. Mm-hmm. And in terms of apartments here in Dallas, they're, they're building probably about 25,000 to 30,000 new apartments every year. And uh, I think that's the most in, in the US. Um, but the majority of my investments are really in the sort of class B and class C space on the apartment side and not necessarily the class A. 
but it really speaks to the demand of, of the market here in Dallas. Um, as you work your way down south, I would say Austin is where a majority of people from California are moving, um, just because you know there's Apple, Samsung, Google, they all have you know sort of a regional headquarters now in Austin. And uh, the, the rents are the highest in all of Texas in Austin. Um, and I would say it is the cap rates are even lower in Austin than any other in any other metro in Texas. And then if you go down to San Antonio, San Antonio has a military presence and then also um, more of a back office feel. So the a lot of your BC properties do well there. Um, it's a little bit harder on the A space in San Antonio. And uh, you know they really have one Fortune 500 company, I think, uh, USAA headquartered there. Um, compared to like a Dallas who has like 25 to 30 fortune 500 companies headquartered here. And then if you go over to Houston, Houston is, is pretty interesting. Houston doesn't have any zoning. Um, so you can build anywhere, but then also the, I would say the other thing that's different about Houston is really the flooding. Um, so I was born and raised in Houston. Uh, my parents' house never flooded until I think a couple of years ago, or my parents' uh, office never flooded a couple of years ago because they had like three hurricanes all within like the last five years. And, uh, you know, I would just understand sort of what floodplain you are in, in yeah. Houston and understand your insurance in Houston, because that is uh, dramatically different than, uh, the other submarkets or other metros in, in Texas. And, uh, you know, Houston is, is probably the second fastest behind Dallas in terms of growth. Um, in, in all of Texas though. So it's another, it's a big metro that I, I think you should be invested in as well. Fantastic. Uh, one habit I've observed from a very successful folks and wealthy folks is they're always studying and learning. What are you uh, studying and learning right now? I, the biggest thing for me probably is, um, you know, a lot of people who get into real estate, they try to do everything themselves. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the guys that I've started to follow is Dan Sullivan with strategic coach. And, um, a lot of the systems that you can have in place, whether it's podcasts or webinars, um, I think the sort of leveraged marketing that you can do is, is changing how, uh, people, uh, market themselves and their businesses. And so I've put on, I don't know, 30 or 40 YouTube videos. And I am always amazed at the constant machine that that is of people (laughs) searching for, you know, multifamily financing and, you know, finding a webinar that I did like two or three years ago. And it just, it just is dramatically changed. I think, you know, I think you still need to meet one-on-one and in person at conferences and things like that. But, uh, you know, there's only so much time that you have personally. And so if you can leverage that and people can watch it on their own time, I think it's, it's an amazing tool. And uh, that, that, that is what I'm trying to figure out a little bit more. I mean, yeah. We, yeah, I think podcasts are definitely exploding. Um, YouTube is constantly growing. But um, the people who are able to create content and, uh, and sort of grow their network that way, I think it, is going to help them exponentially. Awesome. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. 
So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? I think, uh, you know, I think number one, and this is, I've, I've tried to start doing this with my kids every night is I ask them three questions. Um, number one, what did you learn today? Number two, how did you help someone today? And then number three is what are you grateful for? And, uh, and it changes, it changes every day for those kids. <laughs> and so, um, I, I, those, those are the three things that I would ask myself, uh, because to me, if you're not learning, if you're not giving, if you're not being grateful for what you have, then you're just going to be spinning in, in the rat race. Uh, and so I think if, if you remember those three things, I think, uh, it will take you very far. Awesome. Where can folks learn more about you? Where can they follow you and where can they stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with? Yeah. I mean, um, if you want to start, uh, LinkedIn page is probably the first, uh, thing that pops up. And then I have a website, texasmultifamily.com that shows all the deals that I've closed. And then, um, the company that I work for now, Old Capital, has a podcast, oldcapitalpodcast.com, um, in terms of everything multifamily. And then uh, on YouTube is my uh, all my multifamily stuff uh, there as well. So that's the best place. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. All right. Thanks a lot, MC. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives. 
situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.